All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! Happy 2020. It's good to see you again, Norman. And we have a fantastic guest, Melissa Mambuis. Hi. How are you, Melissa? I'm great. How are you guys? I'm doing fantastic. Melissa is an actress, and uh, she's a teacher at Pure Bar, which is a uh, fitness training center. And uh, Melissa, you and I, we shared the stage at the DMT. We mm-hmm. did Grey Gardens Back together. in the day. Yeah. Okay. Where she was uh, the young uh, Edith, Edie uh, Bobier. Yeah. Oh, nice. It yeah. was super fun. No one does that show, so I'm so glad right. we got to do it. I know, I know. With uh, Jennifer Tice and uh, Christine... Um, Oh, what is her last Mac name? Mac Macomer. Yes, ah. yes, yes. No, she's Who's just fantastic. Uh, it Michael was Riken. Michael Riken. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. but yeah, but that was really, really cool. I really enjoyed awesome. that. I didn't mind being a butler because you know <laughs> I, was, I was so much more. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, in any case, as I begin uh, this year, happy 2020. Has how's 2020 been for you so far? It's Norman? going quick, man. <laughs> I, know. I was so on the seventh. I was meeting with a friend, and I said, "It's the seventh, you know, like with all this." And she said. People have been saying that all, and later in our conversation, I said, she said something about being in 2020, and I said, yeah, well, first week is already gone. And she said, oh, that's why everybody's saying seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just goes. <laughs> um, so I'm just coming from a meeting uh, at Nueva, or for Nueva. Nueva mm-hmm. is a private school on the peninsula. I've been teaching there. This is my 20th anniversary. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Freaking me. No, no. It's, it's <laughs> freaky. When you get to that point, you start going, 20 years? Wait yeah, a minute. Boy, the years go. Don't what they? am I doing? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a brunch every year where we sit down and we talk about what the spring is going to be. Uh, they bring in all these teaching artists. Uh, the kids are going to go up to Ashland at the end of the school year and see some shows. Cool. So they're learning about <laughs> those shows, and we even do some theater games and stuff based around you know the shape of the different shows for a, a lot of the recent years i've been avoiding the shakespeare i love shakespeare i do shakespeare um but i've been avoiding it how many times can you do midsummer night's dream mm-hmm. before you just want to puke so i've been looking at ashland has been premiering new shows for easily over a decade now maybe close to two and i've been playing with a lot of these new plays sometimes can't even get a script this one is not brand new. Um, it's been around. Peter and the Starcatcher. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but Ashlyn is doing it. And I went, well, what is that? Because they're doing Midsummer and they're doing Tempest. And I most recently did Tempest there at the school, you know, five years ago, I guess, when it was done, five or six years ago. Um, I think I've avoided Midsummer every time we've done it just because it's such a beautiful – to me, it's a pastry of a play. And I don't want to bang through it with a bunch of Mm 13-year-olds. I just don't. Plus, there's all the fun levels of the script that just aren't really age-appropriate to really go there. You can still tell the story without going there, but I I just hate denuding the play. Melissa, do you teach uh, kids? Um, Uh, No, I do not. No? Okay. (laughs) I've choreographed kids um, a few times, directed kids a few times, Mm -hmm. um, but only in a dabbling sense. Okay. Okay. So Peter is a retelling of the prequel to Peter Pan. Oh, yes. I, I have Barry heard about this. Yeah. i got to learn the other person's name. But they wrote a book. Yeah. They wrote a novel mm-hmm. um, that, that played with this in very, you know, Dave Barry kind of humor, which is funny. I mentioned it to my wife, and I said, it's kind of PG. And she started to correct me. I said, no, you're right. It's G. <laughs> <laughs> he, he really works to keep his humor in that place. Mm-hmm. And 
and it does it works in the play so I read the script and I went I think I'm gonna play with this one this time because mm-hmm. you know last year this time I was doing um, everyday Alice which that's was right yeah contemporary meeting of Alice in Wonderland and Peter all grown up in a modern time what would that relationship look like so I did all this research I knew the Alice stuff I did all this research on Peter Pan. That is a dark, crazy story. Like, Wendy gets killed. Mm-hmm. When they first get to the island, Wendy gets killed. <laughs> I didn't re- Tinkerbell I, sets yeah. her up. And wow. uh, then I forget the uh, the Indian's name, but the, uh, the the little Indian girl, mm-hmm. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Lily. Lily. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tiger Lily. They kill, they kill fucking Wendy right mm-hmm. off the bat. Wow. Back. And so I'm like, this is not a story people understand. They skipped that one. They taught that to me when I was a kid. (laughs) They do. And the weirdest thing about it, like, this is not people's interpretation of it. This is what the man wrote. So one of the weirdest things is Peter is a child. Like, he's pre-adolescent. And so his mind, he focuses on everything intensely. But when things are too much to deal with, his brain just sort of shuts down. And then he forgets. So, like, the death is one of the things. He, he just he forgets. And I think that's a deliciously twisted story to play with with a bunch of 13-year-olds. That, mm-hmm. to me, seems appropriate. I'm like, okay, we can, without going to some really dark places, we can go to some places that your brain already goes. 13-year-old humor mm-hmm. definitely loves to find that dark edge. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this will be fun. Oh, yeah, that should be nice. So are you w- currently working on that now or that will well, be in the future? Well, today we were deciding who would do what, so that's what I'm going to do. We'll start in about a month. We'll mm-hmm. start working with the kids, and then after that we'll cast and then put everybody nah. put everybody to work. So that's, yeah. that's going on. I think I told you I had an audition. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, your agent sent you. I almost, right? yeah, yeah. I almost wasn't going to get to meet you today because oh, wow. um, I had an audition and they would have been shooting today and tomorrow. Mm. Um, they are shooting today and tomorrow, but it's a not commercial. Me. Com- it's commercial, yeah. It's a, it's a like an industrial, I think. I think yeah. It's more of an in-house thing. Got it. I'm mm-hmm. not sure, but um, yeah, I didn't feel like I was really right for the role, and I learned an important thing about auditioning. I'm still learning about auditioning. <laughs> yeah. When you practice it, so the last audition I did like that, I did seated. So I learned this seated. And I walked in the room, and there was no chair. And I went, oh, okay, I'm going to do it standing. And all that muscle memory that you get on stage. I mean, to me, I can't learn a part if I don't know what my blocking is, what physically is going on with my character. I couldn't find words, simple words, couldn't find them. And I finally, after two or three just horrible attempts i finally said can i please do it in a chair please <laughs> and by then i was just so flustered that i still barely got through it i got through it finally but i barely got through it and i was like okay well, oh that's <laughs> that's i tell you that's i mean it's something that we can talk about later on because it, it yeah. deals with theater how you memorize a monologue or whatever and like i have monologues where i know okay i'm sitting on this part mm-hmm. i'm standing mm-hmm. up when this beat and then i'm going to sit back down right exactly and i've got it all mapped out and the minute something throws me off and it's something that I should, you know, shame on me. I should know better. But you shouldn't, you don't have, you can't let these things the, throw you the off. words go away. Yeah. yeah. Especially in an audition situation. You <laughs> yes. know, when you're playing in rehearsal and then in the show, I feel a lot better being on my toes. But in the audition yeah. room, when you've got all that other junk in your brain, mm-hmm. that's when you get thrown off. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there are some current events. There have been a couple of deaths. I was um, Neil Pete, Neil Pert, uh, who's the drummer of Rush. He oh. passed away, and okay. 
one of the great drummers. I, I mean, can't you know, even name a rush song. <laughs> what, what, what? Uh, Tom Sawyer. I don't. I, I can't sing it because okay. the range is way, way, way too right. high. Right. Yes. Yes. But uh, he music. he was sort of a prog. They were the, that group was a prog rock okay, band right. in yes. Canada. Yes. Um, also, um, this ha- this actually happened a couple of weeks ago. Jack Shelton. People may not know who Jack Sheldon is, but if you grew up with Schoolhouse Rock, oh, uh, and uh, like I'm just a Bill, oh, he's, that guy. Only, okay. he's the singer of that oh, Junction wow. Junction. Yes, uh, and it just broke my heart to know that he passed away. Oh. That was recently. Also, there's woman Ailey Willis who um, she she wrote the song, and we don't hear about female songwriters, but she wrote the theme to Friends. Oh, okay. oh, wow, and also Earth, Wind, and Fire, September. Which is odd because wow. this is wow. a Jewish white woman. Sure. Well, and uh, no, she's fantastic, I and mean, she's you one know of the most of the pop Christmas songs in America are, are written by Jews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Mel Torme he wrote the Christmas songs. Chestnuts roasting on a soap. I don't know if he's Jewish, but no, yeah. a lot of the other songs are written by Jewish people. And yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> okay. Get yeah. Paid. And take me out to the ball game. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so that's that. Uh, the well, you missed um, the other death, um, um, Buck Henry. Is that the, uh, the baseball the player? No, no, no. Okay. He was one of the writers on Get Smart. Ooh, okay. Um, he was regularly featured on the in the early seasons of Saturday. He was a writer on Saturday Night Live, but he was also regularly featured. Um, he's all he's been involved in all kinds of things. Mm. You may not know because he's he's wonderful about being behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but when you do get to see him perform, he's. He's a solid comedian. He knows what he's doing. Wow. Um, he's brilliant. He's fun. Buck Henry, and i got to look gone. him up. Yeah. yeah what a shame. Um, okay. Well, this is – I try to put some humor into this. So uh, Jim Baker. I'm sure we remember Jim Baker. I didn't of the know that Jim and Tammy Faye, this week. You know, the late Tammy Faye Baker or whatever. In any yeah. case, Jim Baker is telling his parishioners, if Trump isn't reelected, the world will end. You know, this is just, you know, incredible propaganda. You know, we've entered the crazy season in 2020. Oh, yes, we have. I mean, you know, with what's happening in Iran, and now we find out that the Ukraine uh, plane was down. They finally admitted it. They finally admitted it. Um, We're so sorry. We were under attack. Yeah. Yeah, you were. There's a lot of craziness. Um, Melissa, I'll ask you an open-ended question. What do you think about, I guess, are you optimistic about 2020 and uh, the upcoming elections and all that stuff? I think we have to be. Yeah. Um, there's nothing right. to be but optimistic. Um, but I also am very aware we live in a bubble. Um, and even just going, you know, went to my in-laws' house in just just up to Sacramento, which I still, you know, think in my mind is mm-hmm. Bay Area. Yeah. And at Christmas dinner, did I say Thanksgiving? <laughs> I meant Christmas. Yep. Yeah. Christmas I don't know what I said. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas. Christmas dinner. They had a bunch of friends over, and I still think that I'm in the bubble. And then they start talking about. Oh, I hate this one actor. And I go, oh, you know, tell me more. Why? Mm. Oh, because he just hates everything Trump does. And my husband just leans over to me. He goes, you might need to leave the room. Ah! And just, you know what I mean? Just like, and they're like, no, we are conservatives, so we must pick the conservative candidate. And Mm. I'm like, no, you don't have to. Um, When the world is crazy. Yeah. Um, So, uh, and then I'm like, this is, you know, how it happened. Um, is that we're not just in this Bay Area bubble, but I I was reading this book um, about positive manifestation and visualization and things like that, and mm-hmm. that um, helped me through my cancer journey. So I was reading up about it, yeah, um, you know, just in life and things like that, and 
and it basically it actually referenced politics and it said you know if you want something to happen if you want a certain outcome to happen it's not just focusing on the negative of the person you desperately do not want yeah. in office because that means that the entire nation is putting their energy in that direction yeah. and that's why it happens yeah you also need all of your energy going towards who is right to fix this problem. Yeah, it sounds like positive energy versus negative energy. Exactly. So even if you're putting all your negative energy on someone, yeah. that still gives them focus. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there are a lot of people who say that the impeachment will actually help Trump. Exactly. Because it feeds him and it feeds the narrative that it's us versus them and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Right, exactly. Well, and, and it fires people mm -hmm. up. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you know, he's still doing rallies and there's still people who are just, you know, just – you know, they, they're on the bandwagon. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic. I mean, Bernie is actually up there, the I, Iowa polls. Right. Oh, I mean, I'm not that I'm necessarily a Bernie guy. I'm still right. sort of on the fence, but somebody is. Right. is right. He's acceptable. I could vote for him, no problem. I'd mm -hmm. be happy. Yeah. Be happy right. to see what, what goes on under yeah. Bernie. Absolutely. And I was reading that um, Bloomberg, I think he's spending $26 million. I don't know if it's a week or whatever it is on these, you know, he's running ads right now in a way that no one else can because no one else has that type of money. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about Bloomberg. I mean, it's almost like rich versus rich. Um, I know how I feel. I, I, <laughs> no, well, he did make a commitment this week that if it comes to the point where he doesn't get the nomination. Yeah. Um, that he would still spend that kind of money on the election, he says. Well, hey, that, that's fantastic. Great. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'm optimistic. I, I think that, uh, I mean, you know, the more, you know, the more Trump acts or reacts and the more he tweets and the more he does things. I mean, you know, what he did, I mean, you know, the, the bombing and the killing mm -hmm. of, um, mm -hmm. I can't pronounce the dude's name, um, but, you know, that. Soleimani. That, Soleimani. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I don't even know who th the individual is, but. That can start a war, and, and you have to deal with the, the ramifications, and you have to talk with Congress, and you have to talk with your joint chiefs as to, hey, what's the reaction? What's going to happen if we do this? Right. Um, it, you know, you, you just can't do things like this. Mm -hmm. The knee right. jerk, yeah. Yeah, the knee jerk thing. All right. Um, oh, this is this is an interesting thing. So, mm -hmm. oh, I want to talk about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing. I swear, I believe he's going to abdicate. I think I honestly think well, I mean I it's getting I close. That's to. what they were doing. <coughs> well, they said they're stepping away from their duties. Wasn't the, the announcement also on social media? So I'm sure they have oh. to do something formal. Yeah, I did read yeah. they're they're in talks with the Queen and in talks with Parliament. I don't even the know what this thing is about. <laughs> right, right. Like, okay, so wait. <laughs> the most popular person since Princess Diana. Right. And y'all are y'all can't just move into another room. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is. I mean, it's not like it's a, an official title or anything they're just sort of i mean what talks well, are needed official title I, well, I mean, okay you're, you're part of the royal family you have responsibilities i, I guess so but i think it would where be is, where is he in the list like seven or lower yeah but i mean and i think that's a good reason to do it is like doesn't it go his brother and then all of his brother's kids yeah and then well, him yeah i think so so you've got to think like, okay, that's not happening. Yeah. That's right. fine with me. Right. Let's live life. For a title that really doesn't mean, I mean, what does it mean to be the king or queen of England anymore? Right, right, right. right. So well, millions of dollars, that's what it means. Well, yeah. And lots of property. And, and ceremonial And I was reading that apparently. she may have to give the clothes back to, you know, <laughs> the royal family, oh, really? I guess. No, I didn't hear that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort I don't of think she's going to care. I think they'll be fine. <laughs> I've, been, I've been reading The Root, and it's interesting how the black – 
folks oh, are, yeah, are yeah, taking yeah. this, mm-hmm. and that's something I have to talk about on my next podcast, uh, Black in the oh, Bay. Oh, what did I see today? The um, So when we traded Kanye <laughs> for a yet-to-be-named player, we didn't know we were going to get the, the princess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the British royalty. <laughs> I take Meghan Markle over Kanye any day yep. of the week. <laughs> you know, this thing. Uh, and one last thing before we jump into an origin story. Mm-hmm. Um, so San Francisco, there is someone who is selling or renting underground sleeping pods for thirteen seventy five a month. So I guess someone is renting – someone has, uh, I guess, bought this um, property. I guess it's a house or – I don't know if it's a unit or whatever. And literally – actually have a picture of it right here. Oh. I'm going to pull it up here. You're going to show a picture on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, to us. It's helpful for us. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, it's basically – I mean, literally, it's like – there's like a wall, and within the uh, with cut it within the walls it's are just these beds in the these wall. bunk beds. Is yeah. there somebody? Is it? Uh, are people buying? But you've got to share it. So yeah. those are like six beds, yeah. eight well, beds. Well, this is proposed. This isn't happening as of yet. But someone, and it's just so sad. I mean, gentrification. It's horrible. Uh, about an hour ago, a friend of mine, an actual theater friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, mentioned that she's relocated to um, Chicago. Uh-huh. And we've had a couple of friends, Scott Munson, a great playwright of mine, a oh friend right. of ours, yeah. who's who's relocated. Uh, um, Wayne Rohde, who uh, was a longtime stage manager at the Douglas Morrison Theater. He's relocated. So many people mm-hmm. have relocated. Mm-hmm. It's just people are just being pushed out. Yeah. How do we feel about gentrification and just, yeah. I mean, just – are you, are you affected by this, Melissa, at all? I mean, I definitely strategically pick where I live in the Bay Area based yeah. on just everything that's exploding. I used to live in Walnut Creek and yeah. um, lived there when <coughs> it wasn't crazy. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, I married my husband and we wanted a little bit more space. Sure. A little bit. I was running a business from our house and we were like, oh, wow. just mm-hmm. one other room. Yeah. One other room. Yeah. And to do that, it would, for a condo, not even a house with anything, million dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do right. not have a million dollars. So yeah. then we started looking around and going farther and farther down the freeway. Yeah. So we found something that was semi-palatable. Yeah. Um, so luckily, you know, we love it. It works for us. But, I mean, it's getting more and more impossible. And also, um, with the business I used to run and I now work for, clients are leaving left and right. And yeah. you can't be mad when they're like, we can't afford to live in the Bay Area anymore. We're moving to Arizona. And we go... Yeah, what can you do? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fine. We get it. <coughs> yeah. You know, it's insane. Yeah, Norman, I mean, you are so lucky Mara bought, you know, the house at a very, very early they, time they before all of this. Yeah. We, you know, we are paying attention to what's happening because mm-hmm. it's affecting our neighborhood. And, and you know, um, hopefully, hopefully. The boy is going to college this fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless something weird happens. The boy yeah. is going to college, which means our living situation is going to shift. And it's like, well, what do we want to do about that? He is very likely to go someplace in the area. So, mm. but he wants—he's clear that he wants to move out. Wants to move in with a friend. We're like, mm-hmm. Please go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't think we want to go anywhere until he's moving on to the next phase of his life. Oh, but you guys are thinking of moving. We talked about it, just not as a we want to, but just you know when you watch the things changing around you, and some of it is not positive. It's great. We went to the cutest restaurant up on MacArthur, um, mm-hmm. Grand. What is it called? Grand Kitchen. The mm. Grand Kitchen. There's one over on Grand, and now there's one in our neighborhood on MacArthur, just off of Fruitvale. Mm. Nice, wonderful place. Mm-hmm. Not cheap. You mm-hmm. know, definitely aiming at the folks up the hill, yeah. not the folks down yeah. the hill. Yeah. And, and the folks that they're hoping will infill. Yeah. 
in our area down mm-hmm. the hill. Yeah. And and if that happens, that's <coughs> going to be awkward. Yeah, yeah, I hear So you. we talk about it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we know that if we tried to sell the house, we could get a good price for the house, but we'd be committing to leaving the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. It's something I've even talked about with my folks. I mean, I said, you know, God willing, if I still hold on to the job I work Come February, it'll I'll be in my 23rd year of working for the district attorney's office, almost mm-hmm. a quarter of a century. I, I can't even believe it myself. Right. Wow. But we have a new DA, and already people are being gone. Wow. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. You didn't mean mention that as current event. That's. Yeah, yeah that's, mm-hmm. and it's not And there's a I, lot of speculation. That's what I hate mm-hmm. about what is supposedly news when it isn't. It's opinion and it's speculation. Sure. Yeah. But yes, that but news but is that people are. Yeah, for those who don't know, Chesa Bowden. I think that's how he is. I should know how to sp- pronounce you my boss's name. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a former public defender who is now a district attorney, which is now the prosecution's office. And people are wondering, okay, so how is the office going to change? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It reminds me so much of when I came in during the Terrence Hallinan administration. He oh, was a right. former defense attorney who became a prosecutor. So we'll see. All I can do is my job. You well, know and I mean? the same <laughs> – um, and he was – there were people – internally, there were there was a lot of resistance to him, mm-hmm. Hallinan, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's what it sounds like with this. A lot of people do not want things sh- to be yeah. shaken up. Yeah. What's crazy, though, <coughs> and that's why I think it's worth discussing, mm-hmm. is things are already shaken up. Things are changing. That's right. The – you know, Juvie is – is it closed officially or it's just – Almost closed. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think that's one of those decisions that he's. Yeah, it's, it's been empty for a while. I work with an, a theater group mm. that goes in there. Yeah, each one reach one. Each right? one reach yeah. one, and we've been doing less and less because um, population is down, and therefore, you know, they're not sure what they're doing and what they want to do with their resources. Yeah. So there's a big shift that's already happening, mm-hmm. and to get somebody else in who thinks in the way of the status quo without recognizing this huge shift. Is insane. Mm-hmm. Now, this man will see if he's political enough to make that adjustment without, mm-hmm. without, yeah, losing everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he, you know, he, he made it very clear that he wants to make sure poor people don't stay in jail if right. you're arrested. Right. So bail bonds. I think I don't know if they've been eliminated, but you know, we're going to reduce uh, bails right. for yeah. people to uh, to get out of jail, and people may have mixed reactions to that. But he clearly wants to make sure that the rich don't, you know, have a different type of justice than the poor. Right. So, right. so you well, know, and the mayor was not in favor of him. So that's the other big wrinkle. Oh yeah, Linda. Yeah, exactly. No, she had so, her person <coughs> that didn't work. Right. Exactly. So before we get into an origin story, I do this. So two years ago, <laughs> we do this all the time. I got lucky last time. Yeah. So two years ago, we had this person on the A. Dynamic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, and you do run into to the N word. You know, right. you do oh, run into no. right. yeah. You run into those situations yeah. where you would never you as, know, as not a pejorative either, right? Huh? J- not somebody trying to be derogatory. Hey, just not yeah, that. You talking about? You talking about? Oh, oh, wait, I mean, I mean, uh, somebody trying to be derogatory. Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like uh, with the ER. So you know? I don't know his name, <laughs> but is this the guy that I suggested? Oh, if I'm days that I'm not here, he should be sitting. No. In oh, you brought him on. I believe he was your son on stage. He was talking about the clip that we just played. Mm-hmm. He talked about um, he grew up in – he was born in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Then he moved to North Carolina, and he was talking about dealing with the N-word, although he, I think he's mixed Latino slash black. Oh, EJ. Bingo. EJ. EJ Gibson. Yay. I just saw <laughs> his thing on Facebook the other day. How was he doing? 
he seems to be doing fine. What I love about EJ is, as an actor, I'd say he's relatively new. Yes. Uh, but he is a very strong activist. He, he has a very mm-hmm. – like it's funny because you talk to him and he just talks jive. He talks shit. Yeah. But when he's serious about something, his vocabulary shifts mm-hmm. in this really thoughtful, <coughs> uh, strategic way. Yeah. And, and he's very much an Oakland booster. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know where his theater career is going to go, but this guy's going places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's no, he was very, he was very deep, and he was very very open when he was on the Yay and yeah, talking was. about his experience and dealing with racism. Right. Um. You know, living in the Deep South and that split of being both uh, Latino and that's your Afro Latino. Yeah, yeah. Something that also um, Javier talked about as well. Yeah. Javier Reyes. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah. So one year ago. Okay. From that was where I learned to ask. Mm. So what, what I, know I did was this um, Duran skis. That's Duran right, Garcia. Duran Garcia. Yes, which I talked to him <laughs> just recently. Oh yeah, <laughs> where is he now? Is he he was down the peninsula for a while. <coughs> I think he he may be ping ponging back up and down. He's mm-hmm. trying to get into the film industry okay. as a film producer, and oh. uh, he was supposed to. So uh, a sad thing that sort of happened, but I was supposed to have a uh, a stage reading of uh, a group of my plays. Right. But a bunch of folks dropped out, and I had to pull the plug on it. I'm going to say I've, it's delayed. So The one that you got, I thought that was for April. It is for April, but oh. not anymore. Oh, dude. I sort of pulled the plug on that. You can do that. We well, can talk about that. Yeah, okay, we'll talk about it. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. And with that said, Melissa Bambuis. Hey. <laughs> I'm so Welcome. happy to have you. Um, tell us an origin story. So how did you get involved in theater? Where were you born and raised? Yeah, so I was actually born and opened where mm-hmm. we are right now. Um, and siblings, yes, one sibling. She's okay. two years older than I am. We're okay. two years and two days apart. Our birthdays are two days apart. Um, and we lived in Alameda, then, uh, we've also lived in Danville and went to college at uh, Santa Clara University. Okay, uh, because that's where I got the biggest scholarship. So okay. that's where uh, I went. Did you study theater? I sure did. Oh, I didn't, okay. I didn't really know what I was doing with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went in as a communications major and I always had loved doing theater. I mm-hmm. found, um, theater basically through choir. Always loved to sing. Couldn't stop me from singing around the house. Yeah. Um, so when I went to middle school, I did the choir <coughs> there. They had a big choir program and the choir teacher also directed a musical like once every three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always loved watching musicals on TV uh, watching plays, all sorts of things. And um, so then in middle school, I did my very first yeah, show yeah. ever. It was in the ensemble of Hello, Dolly. <laughs> um, I, I have a quick question for you because mm-hmm. we've talked about musical theater, how the evolution of musical theater. Did you grow up on the standard like Rodgers and Hammerstein or did you grow up on sort of the later stuff like Sondheim and Andrew Lloyd Webber? Definitely both. Okay. Definitely both. Um, but in school, it was funny, our – choir teacher's mother taught history. Okay. And she would show us musicals, like 1776 movie musicals. Yeah. And then like Oklahoma ooh, stretch, you know, like <laughs> historical stretch. Sure. Um, but definitely if I had to pick one that like I saw more, it would probably be your Sound of Music mm-hmm. um, uh, Oklahoma carousel uh, type sure, films. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think the first like professional show my parents ever took me to was Phantom of the Opera. Oh wow! In San Francisco, the tour. Oh, it had to just blow your mind. Oh, totally. <laughs> but also, I I was probably like eleven. I don't even know. But the first crack, there was like a crack of fire, and then the chandelier comes up, and it was so loud to me and uh-huh. my baby ears that the rest of the show I sat with my fingers right over 
right oh, you're over my eardrum, yeah. anticipating something else to be really, really loud and scary. Yeah. So I loved it, but I was also stressed the entire time. Interesting. Um, but, but yeah, so found musical theater that way and then kept doing it. Uh, I did a bunch of church productions throughout my high school years, but also I was a very, very reserved kid, very mm, shy mm-hmm. kid. Okay. Um, but through theater, I found a way it was easier to make friends. It was easier to have something to talk about. It sure. was easier to, you know, kind of find your group of people. Yeah. Um, so I loved that about it. I also was so shy and reserved that I liked not being myself. Mm-hmm. Not being yourself, I'm sure, you, as you guys know, gives mm. you freedom to right. do things and experience emotions and <coughs> say things that you would never do or say or be in your own life. Absolutely. Um, as a complete wallflower. Um, but, yeah, so I kept doing it, and then... Uh, but I also was a competitive tennis player throughout high school. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, so it was sort of like I couldn't do it all the time because yeah. I also loved doing that. Yeah. Um, Did you do the, uh, like, tours or the, uh, like, circuits, tennis circuits, that sort of stuff? Um, I played basically with a competitive team on my high school team. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I also did some, like, USTA matches. Okay. A few, but not, like... Again, when you start to develop two big passions, sure, you can't sure. be, like, super fully yeah, yeah. in either. Um, and then I went to college, and I didn't still, like, as my wallflower kind of more ensemble self, didn't feel like I had the confidence or the skill at the time. I didn't really believe in myself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll be a communications major, and I'll take some theater classes. You know, sure. I'm not good enough to actually mm. do that. Mm-hmm. Um but then throughout college, I started really disliking the communications program, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really find my place there. They made you take a lot of different things, so you weren't just, you know, you can emphasize in journalism or um, TV or something like that, but they made you take everything first, and I just wasn't finding one that I was sure. drawn to. Sure. Um, and then I started working with a theater department, and again, it's... Not their fault, and I'm not my fault. It's both of our faults. But again, I wasn't confident enough in myself to really like go for it. And yeah. I'd only ever done musical theater, so <coughs> I was like, "Great, they do one musical year. I'll do that." Yeah. Um, so, what was the breakout moment where you, I don't know, sort of stepped in the light? Um, great question. Uh, <laughs> but basically, like when I was going through college, I did a lot of tech okay. on the side, um, and. My professors, A, needed people to do tech mm-hmm. and didn't have anyone who was emphasizing in tech. So I basically was told over and over again by the faculty that I wasn't really talented enough to be on stage, so I should just do tech. Wow. And basically, okay. if you weren't a part of, like, the popular crew, yeah, they didn't care right. who you mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. So and many programs do that. Yeah. Right. And I wasn't putting to, – to be fair, you know, looking right. back, I wasn't really putting myself out there. I was putting myself out there maybe once a year for the musical. Yeah. Um, of which I didn't get in my freshman year. And they were like, well, we have two freshmen. We can't take any more. Bye. Right. Um, and so I was taking theater classes, and I was doing voice lessons and taking a ton of dance in college, which I never really could before. Mm-hmm. I learned to dance basically through theater, and so I was finally, like, really exploring that. Um, but I couldn't get on stage. I literally could not get on stage. I tried. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started auditioning elsewhere. And I started building confidence that way. Because I was like, how can I be constantly doing theater yeah. out in the Bay Area? <coughs> right. But I am not talented enough to take 
this acting class that I have to ask your permission to be in. You know, I'm, I'm rather stunned that a teacher, because I would think that a teacher's job is to build confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Not I mean, in my experience. Yeah. No, I, I think theater is a, a different animal in the education system. I interesting, really interesting, yeah. It definitely is, and I definitely had friends where it was the best few years of their life, you know what I mean? Sure. And they were right. taken in and one of the chosen ones, and I, A, I refuse to, you know, kiss ass pretty but, much but ever in my life. Yeah. Um, and B, I was not really attacking it. You know, I was, like, sure. going to these auditions and, oh, if it doesn't happen, like, fine. Um, but it definitely took a hit on my confidence. Um, and But in the outside world, I was still doing theater. Um, but I was only ever a dance ensemble. Mm, you know, mm. I had a few things in high school, you know, at church where I played mm -hmm. roles. So I was like, I know I can do this. And I got into this to sing because right. I love to sing. Yeah. And this was a way to sing more. And yeah, then I right. fell in love with dance and then I fell in love with yeah. acting. For those who don't know, Melissa has a wonderful soprano voice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. No, you really I'm do. actually, that show is actually weird for me. I'm more of a belter. Yeah. Um, so I did Grey Gardens with you and I had to like use my soprano register for the first That's time right. on stage. Back and in there was the day. a lot of, I mean, I think of the wonderful song, I think is it Mother Darling or something yeah. like that. It Mother was, Darling. Yes, yes. And yeah. we had, it was a sort of a patter song where we're singing in harmony. It's you, I think it was, mm -hmm. it was three people singing simultaneously different lyrics. Right. Oh. But we yeah. all have to sort of meld right. our voices. And, of course, blending is very important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Belt, you know, it's not, a, it's not a belters type song. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's not a belter type role except for one moment. <coughs> and they told me, they were like, you got this role because you were the only person who could belt that one moment. Let's work on everything now. <laughs> and I was like, great. Right. No, no, no. That's fine. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. But I was going to ask you a question, Norman. Mm. Is it, I mean, because you're a teacher, is it the, I mean, talking about, you know, theater and education, I hadn't even thought about how, um, is, it, is it the job to flush out the non-talent to sort See, of tough this love? Is yeah. When you said that, I thought, I, I had flashbacks to, I transferred to uh, San Francisco State, and I was coming out of Cal Arts, so I definitely had a chip on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. And I walked into that department, and I auditioned the first I had been at school. I had transferred not wanting to do theater, and I realized that it was too hard to work a job and go to school and try to do theater. It was just too much. So I'm like, well, let me see what's happening on campus. Mm -hmm. I auditioned for every show that fall. I think it was a fall, that semester, whatever. Um, I auditioned for every show. I didn't get in anything. And I felt like, especially with the confidence of a transfer student, you're an educator. Mm-hmm. You owe me feedback. If you give me a D or a C in your class, I think it is your job to talk to me about where yeah, I'm missing it and what I'm, you know, what I can possibly do if I'm interested right. in doing better, raising my grade, even just to be crude about it. You owe me that, and I thought, well, wait a minute, you owe me that too in theater. It's, mm -hmm. This is a theater in an educational setting. You owe me that, and I went to every one of them. Nobody gave me a straight answer. Fast forward three years. Um, I This one teacher who I had auditioned for who gave me this BS answer. Oh, what was his answer? You were good, but there were other people who were better. That like, gives me literally nothing <laughs> to work on. What the, what the hell am I oh supposed to do with God. that? So fast forward three years. I'm walking down the hall, and he says, hey, Norman, next semester I'm doing whatever it is he's doing. And I'm like, oh. 
And I'd realized after that there was this little cult of personality around him um, among the students. I won't blame him for that, but he definitely worked in that environment. Right. And that was where his comfort zone was. So suddenly, out of the blue, it feels like to me, out of the blue, he's like, Norman, I'm doing this show next semester. There's a perfect role for you. And I'm like, I'm graduating. And he said, oh, well, we can still – it's it's – you know, the department has decided that students who are just out can still do shows. <laughs> I just looked at it and thought, so if y'all gave the same courtesy mm-hmm. to the people coming in, because I think you do mm-hmm. owe, I think you owe that. And I mm-hmm. think what happens a lot, and in fact, I know it's true, you could tell me all the teachers right now in the Bay Area, and I probably know half of them, and have worked with a bunch mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. And there are people who are amazing actors mm-hmm. or have, you know, specific skill sets, mm-hmm. but maybe aren't great teachers. There are other people right. who are solid teachers. You may not be that excited about them on stage, but, oh, my God, what they can help somebody get or the way they work with people is great. And nobody is tracking this in the educational – very few people are tracking this. Mm-hmm. They just need a warm body. <coughs> Mostly it's somebody gets a recommendation, you've got what looks like a decent mm-hmm. resume, they hire you. Most places don't even say, hey, why don't we do a test lesson and see how you work with right. our community. No, or go, why don't you sit in on our stuff or and see what we're doing. Or guest direct the show and we'll yeah, see how something. it goes. Yeah. No, most places don't do any of that. So the people who are teaching are too many times these egomaniacs. It may not even be the majority of the time, but too many times they're egomaniacs. And they look at you and go, oh, you don't fit in my thing. Mm-hmm. And they just shoo you away. I do get the sense, and um, I don't know if I felt it at NYU, but I definitely felt it at Ellington and other places where maybe they feel, well, my job is to put a great production on at the end of the, um, end of the you know, semester or the, the right. summer or whatever. Instead of i got to make sure every single person who walks into, you know, who is a student is elevated. Right. And uh, who can learn from being a part of right. this or being, right. you know, maybe you're the people you pick always for leads could learn something by being featured. Right. Mm-hmm. Once right. or twice or, yeah. you know, anything like There's that. There's all kinds of ways. I do that. That's what I do with the 13-year-olds, the program Nueva that I'm getting ready to do. Mm-hmm. I go in thinking about the show I'm going to do and what I think it's going to look like and how I can utilize these kids. And... It happened last spring where there were a couple of roles that were relatively small. Mm-hmm. And the mistake that people make all the time, like and I always point to, like Romeo and Juliet, it's real easy to blow off the prince. If you don't actually know the story, you may not even think of the prince as part of the story. But if you don't have this figure, this person mm-hmm. who literally has the power of life and death and needs to have that energy from the moment they step on the stage, we need to see this person can actually affect everybody's lives. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that energy, then you don't – then the show doesn't succeed. doesn't matter how beautiful Romeo and Juliet are. If there's no real threat right. to their love, then the story is just a long – Then oh, why and kill they yourself? Love, and they love and then they <laughs> kill – and then they stupidly kill themselves. Yeah. Right, exactly. As opposed to my other options are so limited because this person is so powerful. Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking at that. So I had one kid in the show last summer. It was um, Mother Road, which is wild. If Octavio Solis is in the Bay Area, I'm going to get him. He's player. He was a Bay Area playwright for a long time. Now mm. he's up at Ashland, or mm. he lives up in mm. Oregon. Mm-hmm. His show Mother Road was there last year, so we did it. Um, had one kid, and he was playing the father in a flashback, one scene. I put him in, because it was an ensemble piece, I put him in the opening. Mm-hmm. I put him in a few other places. I gave him a few key lines. He still never had you know, much in the terms of line load 
But every time I put him in, I put him in for a specific reason. And I kept emphasizing that to him. And finally, <laughs> as we were getting ready to do the performance, I'm yelling at this kid because he's just not taking it seriously. It's like if I blow my one line, who cares? And I'm like, if you blow your one line, then I wish you weren't on stage. I wish you were dead. <laughs> I say things like that. Uh. And I'm like, no. And, you know, and I'm saying, you know, obviously, I'm being ridiculous, but this is really important. Do you get how important? And now the whole cast is standing around and looking at me. I'm like, do you get how important right. this is? And I mean this for everybody. Do you get how important this is? The story we're trying to tell is kicked forward by your character. Yeah, and it emphasizes the importance of supporting characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's a great lesson for young actors. You may it's say, oh, sport. gee, yeah. I just got right. a supporting role. So like, I, no, love taking, yeah. I love taking a talented actor and putting them in that small role and then saying, so this is the moment I want you to steal the show. Mm -hmm. I want you to do your best to steal the show in this moment. Mm -hmm. And then I will give a pretty needy role to a kid who I think can handle it, but I can also see that they're terrified yeah. or it's out of their comfort zone. And I'm like... Because that's what's going to make them better. Yeah. I see yeah. you. I see what I think you need. I'm going to give you this one incompetent kid. I'm going to give you this other role where, mm -hmm. yeah, you're going to have a scene or two where I'm going to like, you got to get in his face. you got to mm -hmm. do this. Yeah, exactly. And I know you can do it for me. Yeah. Uh, getting back to you, Melissa. So what was the role, I, I guess the first, what was the first, uh, the most meaningful role that you've had? Um, that's hard. Well, let's, say the first um, let's say the first, first role. Yeah. Uh, like... Big role that I ever had? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, in the church productions in high school, they weren't, like, amazing. But um, I played Rusty and Footloose, and that was just mm. super fun. Mm -hmm. um, but also, my senior year of high school, uh, we did Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, nice. And, of mm -hmm. course, I was like, you know, I'm tiny. And I was like, I'm going to be one of the daughters, any of the mm -hmm. daughters. It'll right. be perfect. And I actually, they cast me as Golda. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you know, Tevye should be 17, right? Ah, Tevye and Golda, right. no. Um, <laughs> but that was one of the first times where I had to do something outside of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. oh, really? Um, you know, that wasn't like, A, just dancing, mm -hmm. yeah. B, just having a couple of yeah. lines, or C, playing well, someone well, who was The director was, must have seen something in you. Totally. Honestly, they said that I looked really funny next to the kid playing Tevia because he was like six right. five and I'm mm -hmm. five feet tall. Um, well, and gold is amazing. Totally, totally. So mm -hmm. that was one where I was like, oh, you know, I can do something different than what I thought mm -hmm. I could do. Yeah. But then overall, I've had a lot of roles that I've loved, especially this year. Oh. Um, coming back from, uh, I had cancer, and coming back from that. I made a choice of like, no, I'm going to go after, really go after what I want. Sure. Um, and it was, you know, horrible, but also incredibly helpful in that life short. I can look stupid in an audition room. Uh -huh. Yeah. And that has led to so many more roles for me because uh -huh. I'm not scared to, I mean, I am, I'm terrified, but I do it anyways. Right. Um, to sort of go like, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just finished doing Hairspray, is that right? Yeah, I did Ooh. Hairspray over the summer. I've played, um, that's probably my favorite role of all time, mm -hmm. is I've played Penny Lou Pingleton three times. Mm. And it's basically, you know, in so many shows like Grey Gardens, like um, I just played Hope and Anything Goes, I feel like a weirdo goober. And in so many roles, I'm like, how does a lady stand? How does a lady, you know what I mean? I'm like trying to be this like ingenuity type. Sure. But when I play Penny, I just get to meet my weird nerdo self. So, mm -hmm. so that's probably my favorite ever. Just like I could do it forever. If yeah. there was a production of Hairspray running in the Bay Area, <laughs> I would just play Penny Lou Pingleton till they yeah. said, you're too old. You have to play one of the moms. Right. Go. Yeah. 
and um, uh, and you work with a good friend of mine, Paul Plain, and yeah. also Stephen McLeod. And yeah. we've had Paul on the yay, although you weren't here, Norman. Uh, but he talked about, you know, just – and he was going through some stuff as well because I believe his parent – I believe his dad passed mm-hmm. away. And his dad was sick during the time. Mm. But it's one of the great things about theater. It takes your mind away yeah. from what's happening in your real life if you're going through some stuff. I mean. Right. Well, we're, speaking of stuff, we shouldn't skip over the cancers. Like you said. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. 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 yeah. Well, you can, talk, you can talk about, you know, um, okay. you were a survivor of Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. So, um, anyways, finished college, graduated mm-hmm. in three yeah. years because I was like. Bye, you guys. You're not teaching me what I actually want to learn. Mm-hmm, so sure. I don't know what the heck I'm going to do when I get out of here. But this isn't for me. So I sure. left. Um, I worked a bunch of corporate jobs while doing theater, you know, mm-hmm. supporting my theater habit at night. Um, and I got diagnosed with uh, stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma when I was 26. It was right mm. after I got married. Wow. Mm. Um, like two months after we got, you know, a month mm-hmm. after we got home from our honeymoon. And I was actually in rehearsals for a show and um, when I got diagnosed and I had to drop out and leave it. Uh, but, but yeah, sorry. What do we want to know about it? So I, was, uh, I was getting into just the fact that theater sort of takes you. How did theater help oh, you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Through that, through that ordeal. Um, so it was obviously the hardest, like, thing I've ever gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, but – because this is something I love to do, and also I was in the process of launching my business. I launched a fitness studio in Walnut Creek. I was like a year into the pre, mm-hmm. the, the prep work for it when I got diagnosed. And basically everyone at corporate, it's a franchise, was like, You're, you signed contracts, but like, you are fine. You, you know? Right. Yeah. And this completely, I've always been a very realistic, like on the cynical side, human. Mm-hmm. Um, but this completely positive being took over my body mm. for the like eight months that I was in treatment mm-hmm. and I was just like sitting there calm going no it's fine I'm gonna be fine in six months and mm-hmm. then let's do this business thing let's keep it going you know and yeah, the same yeah. thing about theater I was like it's fine I'll be back um <laughs> when like you have those deep dark nights where you're like I will never sing again I will never dance again right. because part of my treatment um the drugs are so powerful and I am so small mm-hmm. and I had so much cancer in my body by the time I caught it I'm an idiot if your lymph nodes pop out, just go to the doctor. Just go. Oh. Don't don't mm-hmm. think like, oh, that's just where they live now, like right. I did um, for six months, and then all of a sudden you're at stage four. Um, yeah. But basically the doctor knew that I came because I kept asking. I was like, so my show opens in a week. Like, is this cancer? Because they don't give you a straight answer when you right. first go in. Yeah, yeah. They're like, it could be one of three things. Right. It could be yeah. random. Cell- and they do not tell you, and they didn't tell me in the ER but I got wheeled to the oncology unit. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that's not good. Um, and I kept asking. I was like, I need to tell them if they need to replace me, right. like, right now. And they, you know, no nurse will give you a straight answer because they're not allowed to. Right. And then finally the next morning, the doctor who I ended up getting treated with came in the room and was like, hey, I'm so sorry. You're too young. No one's going to say this to you with a straight face. But, like, you have lymphoma. You have Hodgkin's lymphoma. I cannot say one million percent with certainty until we get a surgical biopsy. So that was why they couldn't, like, tell me, tell me. Right. Um, he's like, and that's going to take a minute, but, like, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at the chart. This is what you have. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to be straight up with you. And I know you're a performer, and that's why you keep asking. But just so you know, the chemo cocktail that you'll be on, um, it was ABVD was mine. Basically, there's, like, a ton of chemo drugs. And right. for each type of cancer, there's a different cocktail, they call mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so mine was ABVD, and he said... <coughs> Part of the side effects of that is that your lungs could collapse, 
so they might not come back. You might not be able to sing again. Mm-hmm. And during treatment, like, your entire body will change. Your muscles will probably atrophy. You might not dance again. So just to, like, prep you. Sure. And I was like, okay. Um, sure. Wow. So, but I did have those deep, dark nights where yeah. I would, like, cry. And I was so low at one point. I was like, I... I understand. You know, I understand. I couldn't understand until that moment why people wouldn't fight. Yeah. I, you know, like, because this, again, this being, like, took over my body, survival mode, like, kicks in. Yeah. And I was this super positive person. Everyone else was, like, breaking down, crying around me. And I was Mm. like, you guys, I'm going to, you know, like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I went out to lunch with a friend, and I was like, everyone keeps bawling. Can you just not? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. I, and she yeah. was like, totally. Let's talk about everything else. I was like, great. Let's talk about your shows. Let's talk about, you know, like your auditions, like all sure, this stuff. Sure, sure. And I bent down to grab like chapstick, whatever. And by the time I came up, she was bawling. And I was like, I'm not allowed to have a breakdown because everyone around me, and it's lovely. Right, and right. you're like, my husband keeps breaking down because he loves me. He doesn't want me to die. That's sure, amazing. Sure. But at the same time, it's like, I'm not allowed to process this because yeah. I have to be the rock. And it's this very weird thing. And I would talk to a lot of other. Yeah. People with cancer, people fighting cancer. Did you drop out of the show, or did you? Stay? I sure did. Okay, I had okay. to. Got it. Yeah. Um, but it's so weird, you know, in what we do that, like, my director and choreographer knew that I had cancer before anyone in my family <laughs> besides my husband. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Because I told them that morning, you know, I'd gone to the doctor, and some tests were out, and I went to rehearsal because, like, what do you do? You go to rehearsal, and what if it is just random swelling in mm-hmm. my neck that'll go down? Um, and so I – but my husband was like, hey – you need to tell them that they need to, like, look for someone to replace you just in case. Right. So it's so weird that, you know, like, they knew before my family. Well, it's um, also it's amazing to be in that position because we're so taught the show must go on. Right. To find yourself in the position of maybe I need to make another choice. Right. What does that mean about me as a performer? Right. Um, so, yeah. So if you know Stacey Arriaga, she was, like – one of the first people who knew because I said, I'm going to get a call today. Yeah. And they said, you know, <coughs> it could be random swelling, but they did an MRI. didn't mm-hmm. look like that. It could be uh, yeah. that you have lupus or some other sort of mm-hmm. um, disease that's, like, affecting that area, or it could be cancer. Um, and, again, in my 25-year-old, like, I'm invincible mind, I was like, it's not cancer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I told them, and then I got the call in the middle of rehearsal, and I had to go back in. And we were working on this number where we lifted, uh, it was the Who's Tommy, we lifted little Tommy, and he had not been at rehearsal the entire time. Mm -hmm. It was his first day at rehearsal, first time doing the number. I was one of the people lifting him, and I was like, I don't want to, like, make a scene and be like, I must leave when he finally gets rehearsed after, like, five hours. So I did the number, and then our director was too busy, so... I was like, I have to go to the hospital. The lady on the phone right. said, "It's your blood's clean. It's not lupus. Like, you have to go to the hospital. And so I stalked um, at the ballet school in Walnut Creek. I stalked um, Stacy, our choreographer, up to the restroom. And I was like, hey, I don't know who to tell. Everyone is busy. But, like, I got to go. Um, so she's, like, the first person besides my yeah, husband right. who basically knew, which yeah. is insane. No, it's, just, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just had a couple of <coughs> right. thoughts. Uh, yeah, but it's theater is so personal mm-hmm. you know yeah. it's like i mean i could not i don't know if i could have that personal conversation with my boss my day at my day job because right. it's like hey listen i'm taking sick leave and you know right. and this right. is what it is and see you later right. uh, but and it see- might be this thing and i i thought i was going to get a reputation in the theater community of being like right. like the girl who cried cancer basically yes. yeah and you know like it turns out it's not that and how dramatic was that but sure that but also I mean, not that – I mean, I'm, I'm a positive person because I've, I've heard so many – I mean, my mother is suffering through – you know, is, is undergoing cancer treatment her own self. Mm-hmm. 
but you know, dealing with it at a young age is mm-hmm. so different from dealing with it when you're yeah. older because. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're young, you, you just said it, you know, you're invincible and you feel that you can deal with anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that that sort of inner strength and also you are surrounded by people who really love and care for right. you. Right. Um, it sort so of helps you overcome because right now you are clean. I know that you still have a couple of more, I think, years. Or yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically with Hodgkin's lymphoma and had as the disease was so advanced when I found it, um, I'm not considered a survivor until I've survived since uh, – until I have survived five years clean. Right. Yeah. So um, I will be at four years this March. Yeah. Seven. See, and that's so then I'll have one more year before I can officially say. Yeah. It's so weird. And they're like, so what are you? And I'm like, in remission? I don't know. I mean, I, you know. I'm going to get there. I consider yeah. myself a cancer survivor, but I, mean, but I can't f- say it yet. Yeah, physically you're functioning. You know, you're not, you're, you're not slowed down. It doesn't appear to be. I know you mm-hmm. have some bad days, right? Yeah, Um. Every day is You've bad. Adjusted. Um, so there's like pros and cons to fighting at different ages. So sure. my pro was like I was in great shape. I, you know, felt the life energy of like I just got married. I love doing theater. I am launching my business. There's sure. so many reasons to like fight, fight, fight. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. Um, but what they don't tell you is, you know, and they you go through something called chemo counseling where they tell you everything that's going to happen. You know, you right. might lose your lung capacity. You might develop heart disease. You right. might get another cancer later in life. All these things. What they don't tell you is how devastated your body will be and your brain will be mm-hmm. the second that you're done. Uh-huh. So the second uh-huh. that you ring that bell, you ring right. a bell at chemo when it's your last treatment, mm-hmm. like that's when everything emotional yeah. hit me. Because right. mm, I think sense. you go into that fight or flight you sure. know, thing and then my body was like the super positive person had really bad mental days obviously where I was mm-hmm. like I get why people don't want to do this. It's so freaking hard. I get yeah. why people just yeah. want to enjoy their life and let go. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I was like going, going, going. And mm-hmm. that, you know, when you don't have doctor's appointments scheduled, when you don't know what's next, when all you're left with is feeling terrible. Yeah. Um, that's when it all hit me. And physically, what they don't tell you is that you might not get better mm-hmm. from that mm-hmm. chemo exhaustion. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a tiny person, but you get the amount of drugs based on your stage sure not based on you yeah right so if you're a 200 pound football player who mm-hmm. has stage four hodgkin's lymphoma you get the same amount of drugs i get yeah. who do you think is gonna hit harder <laughs> right of course gonna yeah. get you a harder, five yeah. foot tall 95 right. pound lady or yeah. him yeah um so basically i'm still living with the extreme repercussions of the mm-hmm. chemotherapy yeah. so i ran my business for two and a half years but my health was just going down and down and downhill mm-hmm. and my doctor was like you need less stress you need to do less yeah um, so I ended up selling the business to try and take more time, yeah. but and I now still your feel has it, right? now my sister owns it and yeah. I still work there. But you know, I went from running a business, working sure. overtime, so right. many hours a of week course. and at a physical job, you know, yeah. when you own your own fitness studio, you're the backstop for when everyone else flakes. So mm-hmm. teaching, 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 very physical, which I'm grateful for because it helped my body rebound a lot faster. Okay. Um, and also my breathing. Uh, mm, because you know, teaching you're, you're right. working out, and you have to and talk. you have to talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I got myself right back into voice lessons, like right as soon as I was oh, like good. kind of cleared to, because yeah. I was like, I know that if I don't mm-hmm. re-expand my lungs, yeah, it might be gone. Right. You know, yeah. my ability to do this might be gone. Yeah. Um. So, but at the same time, I was working, you know, sixty hours a week, whatever it was. And now I teach a few classes a week, uh-huh. and I'm still the same amount of exhausted. 
Yeah. yeah. Every day. I wake mm-hmm. up like I got punched in the face. <laughs> and it's really hard when you're in your 20s. I'm now 30. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard when no one else your age or around you gets it. Right. Yeah, but, I mean, you're just – I mean, of course, I didn't – I had no idea how – you're such a you're such a mentally strong person. I mean, just telling Thanks. the story. There's so many individuals who just a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I totally understand. Honestly, I've never been to therapy until after uh, yeah. chemo when I really right, yeah. needed it, and I was like, "Wow, I could have been using this my whole yeah. life." But I mean, I have friends who will quickly tell me, "Oh my God, let me tell you what happened with this and that and this and that," and it's sort of like a pity party. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, and, and sometimes a little overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then you have individuals who are like, "Okay, listen, this is what I'm dealing with, but hey, this I is." I'm going to, to man. I try not <laughs> yeah. to. But you're not giving us a pity party at all. You're simply saying, hey, this is what it was, and this is how I dealt with it, and this is how I'm currently dealing with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that takes mental strength. And I think, A, not talking about it or talking about it in a pity party way gives the cancer more power. Yeah. Right. So I kind of refuse to do that. And also, like, I'm here. Yeah, that's right. And that is incredible, and not everyone gets to be here. Right. right. So – Let's do something with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of people could say, hey, listen, I'm just going through, through a lot of stuff and whatever, so I'm not auditioning for anything. I'm not doing anything. Forget mm-hmm. about the podcast. Forget about all sorts of stuff. I'm just going to stay in my room or, you know, just do the bare, bare minimal. Right. And that's it. And they just shut, shut the door. Totally. And that's, of course, the wrong way of doing it. It mm-hmm. takes mental. I mean, I've had, I, I honestly believe that. Your physical health deals a lot with your mental health. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah, of course, and that's of something that we talked about a lot. A lot yeah. of my chemo nurses would be like, do visualizations, do positive visualizations. They're like, it's going to sound hokey and crazy, yeah. but just do it. You know, yeah. like, um, because the chemo goes through your body and then it comes out when you urinate, basically, like, mm-hmm. yeah. pee away the cancer, as it were. It's kind of funny. But they were like, this is going to sound nuts. But when you're laying in bed mm-hmm. and you're about to go to the bathroom, Visualize as you're going to the bathroom the cancer leaving your body, draining out of your body Yeah. Mm-hmm. that way. And they're like, it's going to sound crazy. Just do it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're <coughs> mentally staying mm-hmm. strong and mentally right. going like, every time I go to the bathroom, it's a success. More cancer is leaving my body. Right on. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> Quick question. Did it affect you when you were doing hairspray or, or? – Um. Well – Basically, the one thing that still really affects me is, A, just energy. I used to be that girl who would, like, you know, theater is also my community and my kind of social place. So I would be that girl who would do the show and then go out with people after the show and all that stuff. I can't do that anymore. Yeah. And sometimes people don't get that. It's like, no, in order for me just to do the show, I'm going to be, like, hit in the face tomorrow morning Mm -hmm. and need to sleep in. So it's like I – that sort of aspect of it has gone away for me. So energy definitely – was affected for hairspray. Um, and then my lung capacity has pretty much come back. My body has pretty much come back, but I've worked hard on both of those things. Sure, sure. Um, but, yeah, it's the energy. And then also um, with the chemotherapy cocktail that I was on, it damages your brain. Yeah. Um, and gives you some short-term memory, like, uh, loss. Uh-huh. A lot of my memories yep. are gone. My sister will, like, talk about stuff in our ki- childhood. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah right. Um, so, like, some just, like – and it's very patchy and very yeah. – um, But you can still get off sporadic. book, right? Yes. Okay. I have to work a lot harder. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I can. But, like, I'm doing a show in three months. It starts rehearsals in three months. Okay. What and show I picked it? up the script today, South okay. Pacific. Right oh, on. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Not um, the Sondheim thing. Uh, Is that Sondheim? I thought it was Sondheim. No, no, Hammerstein. It, oh, yeah, yeah. Shame on me. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I'm starting that in three months, and I picked up my script from FedEx today. Right on. Um, because, which, and if you. Which character? I'm playing Nellie. Uh, so the there's um, 
there's the nurse in the army yes. and then um, the French planter. I'm the nurse in the army. Oh. Um, so. The, the romantic lead. Then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Watch that, watch that man right yes, out of my hair. Exactly. Holy cow. Exactly. That's awesome. Oh, that is. I, I watched that movie last year. I'd never seen it. And, you know, it's as hokey as, as those old Hollywood totally. musicals can be. The music is Yeah, so the music gorgeous. is gorgeous. Yeah, no, the music is fantastic. Um, so I picked it up today, and I'm going to start. If you guys, do you use any apps for memorizing your lines? I use the Line, the line Learner app. Line Learner, okay. I had never used out. it before I got sick, and people would tell me about it, and I'd be like, you know, because it was easy for me. It was very easy for me to memorize my lines mm-hmm. back then. Um, but now it just takes more repetition. And I think my brain has definitely gotten sharper. I'm on a lot of supplements to try and, uh-huh. you know, uh, counteract what's happened to me. Right. But in order for me to feel confident in it, mm-hmm. I kind of have to, like, build up slowly and right. um, and do it. So the Line Learner app's amazing. You basically record your lines and everyone else's lines, and then you can play it back at whatever speed you want and then whatever sort of pattern you want. So you can do um, – just your lines, and you sure. can just play them on a loop and listen to them. Yep. You can play your lines and their lines with a gap. Mm-hmm. So it'll basically be like your line, my line, then a gap for me to repeat my line. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Or just a gap. So it'll be your line, gap for the amount of time it yeah. takes me to say yeah. mine. Um, so basically, like, I'm going to put that into my phone and start working right. on it. Like, when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm doing yep. the laundry, exactly. so that in three months I feel already confident on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that way in the room – I can use all of my mental energy on taking notes because sure. when you have short-term memory loss, mm-hmm. you have to be so much more focused on, like, <coughs> what are you saying? Because I'm not going to just remember it later. Yeah. I had I a need concussion once super during focused. a show, during wow. rehearsals, wow. and I didn't know. I mean, they said it. I didn't know what it meant. Right. And right. so I – and it was musical. And so there was mu- songs and dance. I would do a choreography rehearsal – Walk into the other room while they worked on another number, in front of a mirror, could not remember totally. what I had just done. Couldn't totally. couldn't find it and didn't know. Later on, I found out and I was like, "Oh, my brain was hurt." Right, oh. exactly, exactly. And thank goodness for choreography videos. I'm like, how did we do mm-hmm, dance right. rehearsal for choreography yeah. videos? Yeah. I'll go home and be like, maybe remember the first eight count. Yeah, but <laughs> by looking at the videos, like then I can take it on my time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And practice, 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 and go back to knowing. Yeah, the it. problem with videos, because I remember um, Women on the Verge, we had you know some dance pieces, right. but of course I'm looking at a video and I'm like, okay, I've got to inverse this because sure. it's right. <laughs> if they don't film it from the back, you have to be like, you have to right. focus harder on what foot people right. are on. Right, right, exactly. Oh wow! I was going to ask you a question, Norman, as yeah. a director standpoint. When you have an actor, I don't know if you've ever had this. An actor say, "Hey, listen, I've got a medical problem." I've got to deal with this because you have to put a sort of put on another hat. Have you had to deal well, with that at all? It, to me, it's not really another hat because for me, I'm always and and I thank I thank Nueva. Nueva has taught me so much about directing. Mm-hmm. I used to go in with I have a vision of this and you must fit in my mm-hmm. vision. And if you don't, we're going to battle. You might win. I may let you win, but it's going to be a battle. Mm-hmm. And now it's much more about what are the materials that I have to make this show, including the actors mm-hmm. and their input. So when somebody has issues that are personal issues, mm-hmm. well, they affect the show. That's the question. Is this going to affect my show? And I can't help it. It's my show. Is this going to mm-hmm. affect my show or not affect my show? If it's going to affect my show, then I must address it. If it's not going to affect my show, then I'm going to put a little mental barrier there and kind of go, I'm going to make you deal with your shit on your mm-hmm. time. But if it's something that you can't control, then I have to make it part of our process. Right. I have to. I actually I don't tell people about it. Is that bad? <laughs> 
No, well, that's you taking responsibility for right, yourself. Right, because I try and own it yeah. in the beginning. Right, so, exactly. and, and again, if I thought it was really affecting me on the day right. of, I would tell, you know, you. But I I remember, like, one of my first shows back, I accidentally said it out loud as a joke. Mm. And I was like, oh, no, don't say that. That director will never hire you again. You oh, know, so right. I want to be so overprepared that, like, and they it, don't. And it may be. Right. You don't want. They don't uh, even notice. You yeah. don't want yeah. people thinking of you that way. That's not right. what defines you. Right. right. So, exactly. no, I, so as a director, I don't, I don't even yeah. think about it. I will add something, though. Mm-hmm. You were talking about the, that piece about wanting to be able to finish up and go out and enjoy and be with. And that's not part of your process mm-hmm. anymore. I heard um, – I can't remember the show now. It's not Bullseye. It's one of the NPR shows. Uh, oh, you know what it is. It's the TED uh, Radio Hour. Oh. The TED mm-hmm. Radio Hour. The host who helped create this, Guy Raz, um, stepped down from the show in December. Hmm. And so as part of the sequence, he did a this is who's taking over and she's interviewing me. Mm, and cool. it was real cool. And they talked at one piece about a um, – he talked about interviewing – it was like a Zen guy or Buddhist guy or something. And the guy said um, – they had gone on a vacation, and they had a fantastic vacation. So they came home two days early. He said, what? He said, yeah, it's my new philosophy that um, if you are having a good time, that's the time to go, I'm done, and look for finishing up and going home. Because otherwise, you spend the rest of that time trying to top what you've right. already done. So, and I found, I, I find I'm often the last person to leave a party or something. And I'm like, what, and what's happened that's different is I've, I've been married now for four years and almost four years, four years next week. There you go. We have to talk about. Happy anniversary. Free anniversary. I've got to work around that. Yeah. Um, next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, but suddenly instead of hanging out and closing bars, it was. I should get home. Yeah. And there's the weird piece of you feel like you're you know, you got Fomo. a leash on you're you. You're missing and, out. Yeah. Um, but I found often it was like, well, if I stay, whether I've had a good time or not, if I stay, what else is going to happen here? Versus if I go home now, my wife is going to be up for at least another hour or so. I can go home. We can check in with each other. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, and suddenly I want to go home. Right. So it's <laughs> not that I didn't enjoy the moment. And I found that's true with rehearsals and things, too. Mm-hmm. There are days when I got time. Let's hang out. Yeah. But a lot of times it's like, Mara's going to have dinner ready. I should get home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. And, yeah, managing and time. A, well, and it's funny because mm-hmm. then I get home with all this energy. Right. <laughs> right. And you're not coming home like, yeah. I need to hit bed right Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, 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 it's wild. Because it also – I'm also – more and more being in shows where everybody else is way younger than me. Mm. And they want to go out and do that young person thing. And I'm like mm-hmm. – And a lot of times they're single. Uh, yeah, and, and they're and single. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, um, I don't really want to uh, watch you trying to hit on the cute actresses. <laughs> right, <in the> right. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, you met your husband through theater. I sure did. Oh, Tell us that story. Yeah, yes. so that's why I don't regret going to Santa Clara <laughs> for any reason. Because I love the school, the department, and I mm, – not so much. But um, he – I did one show mm-hmm. my entire college career. I was in one show. I was in Thoroughly Modern Million. He was my dance partner. Mm. So worth uh. it. Um, but he always likes to make fun of me because he was a dude. He wasn't a theater major at all. He uh-huh. basically started doing theater in high school because he's going to hate me for saying this um, here, but he didn't make any sports teams. He was not really a sports uh, guy. Mm-hmm. He tried, but like, no. Um, but his sister was a dancer, mm-hmm. and she would choreograph their high school musicals, mm-hmm. and she'd be like, we just need boys. Mm-hmm. We right. just need boys. We just need boys. And he's mm-hmm. like, 
he, again, also very reserved, very shy. And she was like, I'll teach you the combination at home, so you'll look amazing at that callback. You know, like, just like, we right. need you to do this. So he did, and through that, again, he found a group of friends and a way of socializing. And mm-hmm. he thinks I'm crazy. He's like, why do you want bigger parts? Being in the ensemble is the best. You don't have any of that pressure. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but, like, I've done that. I did ensemble for, like, ten right. years while I was right. building myself mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, but he thinks it's hilarious when I'm memorizing lines. He's like, ugh, so much work. Mm-hmm. Um, so he literally just did it for fun. And then mm-hmm. he happened to go to the same college as his sister. Basically, like, everyone in their family has gone to uh-huh. Santa Clara. Right. Um, and, again, she was like, hey, so we need boys in the uh-huh. theater department. <laughs> uh, she was a dance major and. um so she got him in that way, and he loves to make fun of me because he did three or four shows uh-huh. while we were in college. Uh-huh. Not a theater major. Right. Didn't really, you know, he he enjoys theater, but, like, doesn't really care about it. Never right. wanted to pursue anything, you uh-huh. know. <laughs> um, so he likes to be like, yeah, I got into hair. You didn't. I'm like, cool, thanks. He's like, yeah, remember when I did Twelfth Night? And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh yeah, thank you, honey. Um, but, yeah, so he is now retired. But what's amazing about it, uh, he retired after our last show. He's like, I don't know, I did it to, like, help out my sister, and it was fun in school, but, like, I don't mm. need to do it ever again. Uh, but what's awesome is that he gets it. Yeah. Sure. And I have friends who, you know, are dating people who, they Real. just are like, Why, where do you need to go for three hours every right. night? I don't oh, get yeah, it. You I know, like, what do you mean yeah. you can't miss tonight? Sure, sure. Um, so what's amazing is that, like, he gets it. He's like, okay, bye. Right. Yeah. They're both very independent people, so he's like, okay, cool. Yeah. But how romantic. I mean, you know, you have a dance partner, and all of a sudden, you know, the two of you are in yeah. each other's arms, and <laughs> one thing leads cool. to another. No, yeah. it's fantastic. Classic showmance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, he's How, the how many years? Um, we'll be married five years in uh, July. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So, 2015? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow, so great. Wow, so time flies, because Great Cards was 2012. Yeah. So, yeah, we were dating then. He oh, actually met okay. my parents in the audience of that show. Oh. And so, like, they knew what he looked like. He knew what they looked like. They were sitting, like, a row apart, but everyone, like, is so shy, like, in my family <laughs> and him, that they just, like, sat there and watched Grey Gardens for, like, two hours and then stood at opposite points of the lobby till I came out. Uh-huh. And that's when they met. And I was just like, you guys know who each other are. Like, you can just, uh, whatever. So, yeah. yeah, they actually, my parents met my husband at Grey Gardens. Wow, how fun. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, we've hit the one-hour mark. Yeah. Shout-outs, birthdays. Birthdays. List of birthdays. Um, and that is not the list. You want me to go for oh, it? Well, oh, go for it. Uh, well, oh, there's the list. Um, and I'm never as good as you, as you are about today, but I believe, I know Danielle Kane is mm-hmm. today, actress in, up in the North Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, Carolina Moronis is the sister of Regina, who was um, mm-hmm. Rosalind in As You Like It, which I did all summer. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I thought at one point I heard she was understudying it, and I was like, wow, that's got to be a weird pressure to be oh, understudying. Oh, I know. You know. I have her on my list, and I was like, where do I know her from? We acted together in um, Women on the Verge. Oh, oh Carolina nice. or Regina? Carolina. Oh, yeah. okay. Small world. Go ahead. Go oh, ahead. that's funny. So you had her on your list. I did, but I didn't know where I knew her from, okay. so I'm glad you brought yeah. her up. Isn't uh, that funny when you do theater for so long? You're like, I know you. We did something. Right. Oh, <laughs> what was it? You know who? Like, I know we did something. It right. just happened this week, but I'll talk about that later. Yeah. Michael Anthony Torres um, is an actor I know. I met him through Thick Description, a company that no longer exists, but was fantastic experimental theater company in San Francisco. He works a lot with Campo Santo, and he runs the theater department at Laney. Oh, cool. His birthday is, I think, today. And Greg Bryan is, um, it's funny, I met Greg, I knew another actor for many years, I met Greg, and Greg was like the 
heftier, um, funnier. Like the other guy tried too hard to be funny. Greg mm. is just naturally buoyant. And I kept thinking, somebody's got to do comedy of errors and put these two guys in it because fantastic. And I think mostly he does like camera work now. Um, Rich Sargent is um, somebody I met as a stage manager on a show at the um, Shelton Theater. Mm. Oh, okay. um, but he runs, uh, he runs, <coughs> he does theater here and he does theater up in Tahoe, I think. Mm. And he's always posting about it. And I'm like, how the hell can you? That's, that's a commute. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Muir is a, I knew her as a young actress. Now she's a mom, and I'm not sure she's even doing theater anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danielle Levin. You know when you fall in love with somebody in a show? Danielle was one of those actresses oh. where I just, I was like, I I am trying to be appropriate. but <laughs> and, and my character actually played the villain mm-hmm. who goes after her. Oh. So I'm supposed to lust after her. And I'm like, I... You're just so much more like my, my little sister who I just <laughs> want to take care of, but I'm supposed to lust, lust after you. So, mm-hmm. um, Her birthday this week, Barry. Barry Graves. Talk about. Okay. Taylor Valentine is um, a young actor, was a young actor that I met, mm-hmm. and now he, last I checked, was in New York directing. Oh, wow. Cool. And then I have one other one, which I'm pretty sure you will say, so I'll let you get jump to your list. I kind of doubt it. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> Paul Barrett McCormick, uh, he was on stage. I tell you, the ladies just fell in love with him. He did Hedda Gobbler um, at the uh, – I'm looking at the poster right now, Off-Broadway West. And uh, he was the uh, the lead. He was the uh, the one that Hedda falls in love with and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, the ladies just, you know, just, just fell head over heels <laughs> for him. And his birthday is – was Friday. Um a graduate of mine of uh, Duke Ellington, uh, uh, Raymond Lomax, his birthday is Sunday. I have no idea. I've got to contact my my mm-hmm. my um, the folks Your who alums. I graduated with, yeah. Yeah, my alums, to see what they're doing these days. Um, also on Monday, Casey DeCaney, I'm trying to remember, she um, one of the EastEnders shows we did. It was mm-hmm. um, I'm thinking of great big uh, wooden barrel, um, Wonder of the World. She was in Wonder of the World, oh. and uh, she was in that. She was fantastic. I'm looking at the poster mm-hmm. right there. So her birthday <laughs> is on Monday, January the 13th. On Tuesday, Angel Anna, she and I, we did a reading of one of Lynn Aylward's plays, and uh, she's just a lovely, lovely actress, and I, I'm working to get her on the yay. Mm. Um, but her birthday is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Barry Graves. Um who was informant in Paris? Who was informant in Paris? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, <laughs> and he, Friday, ah, uh, yes, I know exactly who you're talking about, Lamont Rogel. Yes, <laughs> and I think that's who I was talking about earlier when I was. Trying yeah, to you thought that EJ was Lamont. Lamont yeah, Lamont. Yes. Yeah, no, Lamont's fantastic. Uh, he's oh, a, a veteran actor. Uh, he worked in Minnesota for a quick bit and then came back to the Bay, mm-hmm. and he's getting back into it. Fantastic black actor. And also Noel Katz. I'll tell the story real quick. So Noel Katz, he's probably the earliest connection that I have with theater. So immediately after I graduated from NYU, I worked for Third Step Theater Company. And they did a a series of one-act plays and also little teeny-weeny musicals. And his was one of the musicals. And I I did not have contact with really anyone in New York when I moved away uh, in 1992. All of a sudden, I'm doing uh, a play uh, at, um, I'm looking at the poster, Nia, the musical, Mm -hmm. uh, the little little mini musical that I wrote. And someone in the audience says, hey, I need to speak to Reg Clay. And I'm like, oh, this is me. (laughs) And she's like, so I'm a friend of Noah Katz. 
And I'm like, Noah Katz, like, yes, you were the stage manager when we did uh, Third Step Theater Company back in 1992. Now, this was in 2017. Wow. Right, yes. And yes. I'm like, wait a minute. He remembers? And how mm. in the hell did they even know who I was? And apparently, I guess I was on a program, and they knew my name. And wow. she was like, yes, he remembers you, and mm-hmm. he just wanted to say hi, and we wanted to support you. Wow, the theater cool. community is fantastic. Yeah. It's a tapestry right. of people who just really care about each other. Well, so. that's I ran into that this week. I went to um, there's a group called, and it's funny they're not on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Artist Reading Writers. Mm-hmm. It's basically like um, selected shorts. It's on NPR. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, where they do these short stories, and it's one or two people just reading the whole thing. Um, gorgeous stuff. Uh, Diana Lauren Jones was uh-huh. one of the readers. I didn't know Richard grabbed me and said he was uh-huh. going to this thing. And I was like, that's oh, right. Well. We had her on. And yes, yeah, so yeah. she was one of the readers, and, and and there were two stories. Each of them had two women. So I didn't know the other woman. Um, I walk in. I know the woman who runs the program, so that's great. I see Diana. Oh, yeah, I know you. That's wonderful. The second two, second story, both women I know. One, because it's – I keep wanting to say Cecilia. Celia. Celia. Yeah, Maurice. Or Palm Tech. No, Palm Tech. Ah. He was on here. Yes. So afterwards, and she played, the other woman played like one or two characters, the narrative voice. She was Hedda in Hedda Gobbler. Go ahead. Well, Mm. she played like five characters, and this was a cute British story. Uh She was amazing. So afterwards, we're going, how do I know you? I know, that little, uh, (laughs) I know. The yay. (laughs) And then the other guy who runs Actors Reading Writers, he says, Norman? I said, yeah. Hey. And I'm like, hey, his name's George. And I'm like, hey. And he says, we haven't worked together since, and he can't finish the sentence. And I'm like, I don't have a clue. And he says, uh, you can't take it with you. And I'm like, 2000. Wow. Was in 2000. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, so I know all you people. I've worked <laughs> with all yeah. you people. Oh, my God. Wow, that is fantastic. How about shows? you have any shows? Uh, well, tomorrow is uh, The Lies That Bind. It's a reading with the Three Girls Theater Company, and it is up in Berkeley. There's a listing for it on Facebook. Okay. Um, it's uh, Victoria Irville. Mm-hmm. Um who is somebody I've known from the African-American Shakespeare days, from the yeah. early days of the African-American Shakespeare Company. Uh, she's tying her hand as a writer now, and she wrote a piece that was in Playground at Berkeley Rep uh, nice. this last mm-hmm. month. Fantastic, wonderful piece. And I've read this piece. Mm-hmm. We actually, I think we talked about it on the Yay. She had asked me to dramaturg, and that was right after we were having some worries about my stepson, Dexter. So I was like, mm. uh, uh, maybe this isn't a good time. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, wonderful piece. Uh, this is a fun piece. Mm-hmm. Um if you think, like, it's very contemporary, but if you think about, like, uh, that era of Good Times and the Jeffersons, oh. it's got a real fun family feel, but... Um, but there are seri- there's there's some of, serious issues in there. There's some wonderfully serious issues, some wonderful relationship stuff. It's it's going to be nice. And so that'll be up in Berkeley. Tomorrow is, is the reading. Okay. Let's see if I can get a time on it. Sure. And that was the only one I had. Okay. I um, made, uh, well, I can talk about the next one next week. <laughs> uh, a New Brain... Uh, is playing at the Tabard Theater. That ends uh, January 26th. Marla Cox, oh. good friend of mine, uh-huh. who is in Nia, the musical. That's how we know each other, and she was also on the Yay. Mm-hmm. She is in it, so I wanted to uh, pump that. Also, Vinegar Tom has been extended to January 26th. Wow. Oh, cool. So that's at Shotgun. Oh, and Celia's in that. Celia Maurice. Oh, that's who's in it. No, right. not Tom It's Maurice. Okay. Maurice, yeah. Yeah, that's who's in it. That's who's that's, that that's makes who's more sense. That's uh, Yeah. And she's, oh, my God, she's... She's so excellent. incredible. Yeah, great British actor 
who I think worked with um, when she was on. She talked about working with um, oh, who's one of the great um, not Stella Adler, but um, one of the um, one not one Gene uh, Shelton. Or yeah, one yeah one of the, one of those that gra- era. Uh, yeah, that mm-hmm. era. But mm-hmm. she actually uh, worked. I think she was in the actor studio oh, wow. uh, during wow. that time. So mm-hmm. she's like a. a, a she, she touches history, you know. Sure. She's one of those historical um, figures, whether she knows it or not. But yes, fantastic, and, and magnificent. Her skills actress. are amazing. So. Yeah, yeah. That, so she's in Venerable Tom, right. and that'll be playing until January the twenty-sixth. Huh. Also, Custom Made Theater has How to Transcend and Happy Marriage. Custom Made Theater oh. uh, that goes until February the ninth. Mm-hmm. Also, my fr- friend, our friend Radhika Rao. Yes, she still oh, has right, her teaching yes. class. Um, in, intro to Improv for ACT. At ACT, yeah. yeah. So check that out, and we'll have a link there. I had one last question for you, Melissa. Mm-hmm. How is Bay Area Theater treating you? Are you getting the most out of it? Are you sort of sick and tired of it, or are you thinking I mean, about going to New York? <laughs> oh, gosh, no. <laughs> um, I actually was just there on vacation, and, you know, reminds me why I don't think I could ever live there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. I also am a unique person to ask because I feel like I was taken out of it for a year. Uh-huh. So then I kind of came back more ravenous than ever just because I it sounds so dramatic and this one uh, person who I did a show with asked me like how do you decide like it, you know if you get two competing offers like how do you decide and like it sounds really really dramatic but I almost died so it's like w- and we could all what I learned is like we can all die tomorrow sure we can yeah. all get hit by a bus tomorrow yeah. yeah which project will you be sad that you didn't do uh-huh. you know and I know that's yeah. not a good way to think about it because like sure that's I don't think about stipends think about or like the money you know I mm-hmm. I would pay to do this don't tell people that but like uh, I would you know that's just yeah. how much yeah. I yeah. want we'll, it we'll I would <laughs> I would perform in a living room I would perform in a garage I would perform anywhere yeah um just because I love doing it um and I still feel very hungry for it yeah um so after not being able to do it I feel like I'm even more I have to tell myself to slow down mm-hmm. like you need breaks to remind yourself why you love it you need yeah. to mm-hmm. see your husband and you know sure <laughs> sure remind him you exist yeah um so it's definitely treating me well I definitely feel a lot more free since I came back from having cancer I feel a lot um more agency in saying no oh. to things mm-hmm. in saying yes to things in picking and choosing what I want to do I feel yeah. like that's one of the things that I'm so much better at now is I used mm. to just want to be busy sure. and I think that came from a I haven't been trained a lot so mm-hmm. I feel like I've been trained by doing yes which is a great um, way to learn. yes which I love but I also do <coughs> feel this mini chip on my shoulder of being uh-huh. told I wasn't good enough yeah so right you know, it's not only proving – I don't think that I need to, like, prove anything to them. Yeah. But I love to do it and be like, no, you know, not every path has to be that path. And, like, I am good at this. I can do this. Absolutely. Um, but it's making sure I'm not falling into the trap of always being busy for the sake of being busy. Yeah. But instead doing things now that I really want to do because life is short. We could be hit by a bus tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of freeing because I'm like, I don't care. I'll perform that role in a garage. Yeah. You know, I don't need to – you know, climb my way up to a certain theater, you know, which would be wonderful and great. And if that happens, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to perform because I love performing and I want to do roles that I want to do. And yeah. that might be ensemble in a show that I'm just dying to do. Mm-hmm. That might be a no, I will only take this because that's what my heart wants to do. And if yeah. I don't get it, that's fine. Yeah. I'll take that time. I'm taking a few months off now. And now I can go back and take classes and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, learn and do other things. Speaking so. of which, South Pacific, we should pump that. So when is yeah. that? When is that yeah. um, so South Pacific at South Bay Musical Theater 
Um, I believe we open in the middle of May and run to the oh. middle of June. Okay. So, yeah, we got a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what's the uh, theater company? South Bay Musical Theater. South Bay Musical Theater. They're doing um, – they're doing She Loves Me, and I think that opens in a few oh, weeks. Uh-huh. So just a plug for them. I've never worked there yeah. before, so I'm excited. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm definitely a lot less afraid to go for things at auditions, audition for roles that I really want. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But, yeah. Uh, but clearly it's happening. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're getting cast, and people enjoy working with you, and you are a fantastic presence on stage. Uh, you know, great voice. And um, Lee Strasberg, that was the person I was thinking yeah. of. That's who oh, she worked okay. with. Got you. Um, but, yeah, so um, – and also just a great success story. There are a lot of folks who are like, well, I, I want to do the things I want to do, but, oh, I'm so sick or whatever. Right. Yours is a story where, hey, don't let anything hold you back. You make mm-hmm. it happen for yourself. I firmly believe that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a and story a lot that of it is just showing up, and you can be scared. You know, I'm still nervous at auditions. It's not that I'm just like, whatever, we could die tomorrow. Let's right. go. It's more like, show up. It's never as scary as you think it's going to be. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and that's fantastic. That's something that everyone needs to learn. Yeah. All righty. So. so, and I did get two o'clock tomorrow is this reading. It's at the Phoenix Theater. The lies that bind. The Phoenix. Oh. I'm so glad to hear the Phoenix is still running because I know that you know they were they were struggling. Struggling. You know, we'll yeah, see exactly. What all right, and we'll have a plug for that. Um, well, you're listening to the A already, uh, but uh, anyone else, uh, you can listen to the A on any, any app that you listen to your podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. You can click on the iTunes store. Use the search engine on the upper right-hand side. You can find us. If you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com, and you'll find us. The A was created by theater people. For theater people, if you have a show you want to advertise, if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on fi- Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm Who's Your Hoosier? How about you, Melissa? I'm at Melissa Mambo, so M-E-L-I-S, and then the first half of my last name, Mambo, M-O-M-B-O. All right, and we'll have a link to that as well. So any uh, directors who are looking to cast a soprano, a dancer, an actress, <laughs> really triple threat, <laughs> um, you can't go wrong with Melissa Mambo's. And... We've we got to find a better sign off. off. And we are out. <laughs> <laughs>